Hey, welcome everyone to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. So glad that you're joining me today. As really today, we're going to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, which is a little bit bittersweet because it was the Sermon on the Mount was the first big project for this podcast once we launched the podcast. And so we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount for the last handful of months together. And uh, I'm excited to maybe wrap it up and move on, but also it's like, man, I really love the Sermon on the Mount, and I love that we've been able to spend so much time together just reflecting on it, thinking it through, and hopefully being shaped and formed by it a little bit. Um, So we're going to wrap that up today. Next week, we're going to have a special guest on the podcast, a a friend of mine who's uh, led Holy Land tours, who's uh, really an expert in the Jewish context of Jesus and the Gospels. And so he and I are going to explore really some of that and look at some of the text together that way. And so excited to share that with you as well. So that'll be next week. And and then one other little announcement that uh, I want to make before we jump into uh, the passage for today and wrap up the Sermon on the Mount is, uh, if you've looked at any of my online courses, you've maybe been interested in looking at my online courses and and uh, you're like, man, I, I would love to take that. That's just more money than I got right now. I want you to know I've just reduced the price of all my online courses by about 40 to 45%. Um, you know, the all the internet gurus out there says I should be selling my online courses for several hundred dollars each. And, and maybe they're right. I don't really know. That whole thing is hard. I just know I want... I want my online courses to be accessible and affordable to anybody who thinks they would benefit from them. Uh, I really believe that the the Bible has the power to shape your life, and my online courses are really almost like a curriculum that takes you from, here's the big story of the Bible, Bible survey, to here's how you can read the Bible with greater understanding, Bible study skills, to here's sort of the core beliefs of a, a biblical worldview, the worldview that Jesus has and wants you and I to have, so core beliefs course, and then the one I actually just started filming yesterday is the basics of spiritual growth and how do we then become like Jesus from the inside out. And so those are the four core courses uh, that are on my website. And as I said, I've reduced the price of all of those by 40 to 45%. So they're much more affordable and accessible. I finally was just like, you know what? Even though I'm still selling them much cheaper than the internet gurus say I should be, I just feel like I would like to make them a little bit cheaper so that they're more affordable, more accessible to everybody, and we'll just trust the Lord to provide for my family's needs. All right, so I've made them a little bit cheaper. It might be a good time for you to go to check those out. You can just go to johnwhitaker.net, click the Courses tab at the top, and that'll take you to the Courses page, and you can see... Uh, you can see each of the courses there, and then if there's one that, that really looks like would be helpful to you or interests you, just click the little yellow button. It'll take you to that course page, and you can figure it out from there. So uh, check those out. I would love for you to to uh, purchase one of those courses. Use it for your own benefit. Use it for a friend who's brand new to Jesus and the Bible, and you're trying to help them learn their way around the Bible. Use it with your teenage kids who you want to help them learn the Bible, learn how to read the Bible, or... Uh, learn, you know, a biblical worldview and the core beliefs of the Christian faith. Use it however you see fit as a way to help yourself and those in your life really grow to know and follow Jesus a little bit more. All right, so check those out. And now let's jump into the final paragraph of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 uh, through 27, final paragraph. It's actually like like kind of a culminating illustration. Jesus has walked his way through the whole sermon. He's, he's really helped us understand 
uh, how to have surpassing righteousness and what gets in the way of that and what that looks like. And so the whole sermon has revolved around that. He's called us here in these last two episodes that we've already looked at. He's called us to, to walk on the narrow road, his way, the narrow path. He's called us to let him teach us how to become a good tree so that we naturally produce good fruit. Um, and that we watch out for people who appear religious, but they're producing bad fruit. That means they're a bad tree, right? He's called us to that. Well, in this final paragraph, he's going to uh, give one more bit of imagery, like one final concluding illustration to drive home his appeal to us, to, to take him seriously, to take him to heart, and to listen to what he has to say in the Sermon on the Mount. All right, so let's let's read. In fact, if you're if you grew up in church, you, these words might be familiar, even as a little kid's song. Right, the wise man built his house upon the rock, um, and there was a little kid's church song back in the day by that. And if you grew up in church, maybe you, you've heard these words as a song. Here they are, Jesus' concluding illustration um, to the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, Jesus says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and the house didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus continues, and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and its fall was great. There you have it. There's the concluding illustration to the Sermon on the Mount. And let's just kind of explore the parts of that real quick, and then we'll do offer some reflections on that, okay? So notice you have two different people in this little paragraph, this illustration. You have uh, a wise man, a smart person, and you have a foolish man, somebody who's not really smart, uh, dumb, foolish, not really thoughtful, right? And so you got a smart man and a dumb man in this illustration, What's the difference between the two? What's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? Well, the wise man builds his house on a rock. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. So in the, Im- the imagery of the illustration, you have this imagery of building a house, either on a rock or on a sand. What does the house represent? What does the house represent? Well, the house represents my life, your life our life. It's the house of our life. Um, and so the wise man builds his life on the rock. The foolish man builds his life on the sand. And what happens is all of a sudden life gets hard. That's the picture. The rain falls, floods come, winds blow, slam against the house. Both are the same. Life gets hard. Things happen in life. As you go through your life, it's not always going to go smoothly. Things get difficult. And there's going to be things that assault the house of your life. That's the point of the imagery. And the wise man's house, because it was built on the rock, when things got hard, when life took twists and turns, when everything got difficult, his house held fast. It was built on a solid foundation. It stood firm. The foolish man, because he built his house on the sand, when life took twists and turns and life got hard and things slammed against the house of his life, uh, boom, his house collapsed. Uh, it just fell apart and, and it didn't last. Now, that's the imagery but there's a really, really important detail 
that helps us understand the point of the imagery, and we need to make sure we hear closely and carefully what Jesus is actually saying. So, the wise man builds his house on the rock, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. In the imagery, that's the difference. But literally, with what this is referring to, with reference to your life, what is this all about? What is what is this represent? So in the context of my life and your life, what's the difference between the wise man and the foolish man? Well, here's the really important detail for us. Notice how the passage begins in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, everyone who hears these words of mine and literally does them, puts them into practice, he will be compared to a wise man. So the difference isn't that the wise man knew the word of Jesus, knew the teachings of Jesus, and the foolish man didn't. The difference is that the wise man heard the teachings of Jesus and put them into practice. And look what it says about the foolish man in verse 26. The foolish man is, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, does not do them. In other words, the wise man... And the foolish man both know, hear Jesus' teaching, right? They both hear, learn, know Jesus' teaching. The wise man and the foolish man both go to church in our vernacular, in our context. They both hear sermons, right? They both have gone to Sunday school. They both heard Jesus' teaching. The difference is one decides, I'm going to take Jesus seriously and I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to do what he says. And the other one says, oh, that's nice. That's great. Maybe he even gets fond, you know, religious feelings stirred up. And Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's so awesome. Jesus, you're so smart. But he never puts them into practice. That's the difference between the two. The difference between the two isn't that one knew and one didn't know. The difference is that one did and one didn't do. So the wise man is the man who builds his life on the teachings of Jesus by putting them into practice. And the foolish man is the person who hears all sorts of Jesus teaching, hears sermons, hears Bible teaching, right? And doesn't put it into practice. That's the difference between the two. And then when you look at that and you hear the imagery of of the sermon, it's like, you want your life to be rock solid? You want to know that your life is safe and secure in the hands of God? You want to know that no matter what comes in life, God is on your side. And if God is for you, nothing can be against you. You want that assurance? Then take Jesus' words to heart and put them into practice. Do what Jesus says. Here's Really, the point that we should take away from this illustration as Jesus winds down the Sermon on the Mount, we should make sure we take this point away. Doing Jesus' words is greater than knowing Jesus' words. Doing what Jesus says is greater than just knowing what Jesus says. So if you have your Bible all marked up, right? if you've circled key words in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've looked at Jesus' teachings and, you, and you've even highlighted some of it marked up, say, well, that's great, but you've never intentionally decided to put that into practice and began to intentionally do it, Jesus would say, that's like the foolish man who's building his house on the sand. Doing Jesus' words is greater than knowing Jesus' words. So, What Jesus is saying to us is, take me seriously, Jesus says. Take me seriously and actually begin to do what I say. That's what Jesus is saying to us through this concluding illustration to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, If you were 
say, an apprentice plumber, or you were an apprentice auto mechanic, but you didn't follow the instructions of the guy who's teaching you how to be a plumber or how to be an auto mechanic, it wouldn't go well for you. You probably wouldn't even last long in your apprenticeship. You could take his instructions to heart, begin to do them, and even if you didn't do them perfectly, and even if you needed continued instruction, even if you though you have plenty to learn, if you were actually doing them, at least you would be a good apprentice. You're learning. True? Well, that's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple means, all right, Jesus is our master. He's our teacher. He's our rabbi. We're his apprentice in the school of life. And he's teaching us, in our case, he's teaching us particularly through the Sermon on the Mount, how to do life and how life is meant to be lived and how it's supposed to work. And so he says to us, do what I say. Now, follow my instructions. And as his apprentice, we say, okay, I'm going to take you seriously. I'm going to do that. Um, That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It means to take his word seriously and begin to put it into practice. Well, well, what if we, we do that and we begin to discover that, man, I just don't... I just find that there's certain ones I don't do very well right off the get-go. Like there's certain certain ones of these commands in the Sermon on the Mount that I just struggle with. Maybe like anger, like I have a, a temper and I'm not so great at patience and I find myself losing my temper. Or maybe like where Jesus talked about uh, sexual lust in the Sermon on the Mount, we're like, man, I find that I really struggle with that. What if there's one of his teachings that I just can't quite figure out how to do very well? All right. Well and good. Just remember, because you struggle with one teaching doesn't mean you can't do the other teaching. So begin to do what he said in the areas where you can do it. Put it into practice and begin to actually live out the Sermon on the Mount and do the things that, you know, I can do that and I can do that and and begin to at least work on those teachings and get better at it. But if there are certain ones like anger or lust or others, anxiety and worry, or maybe even the superiority complex that Jesus talked about, if there are certain certain traits, it's like, man, those are good traits that Jesus wants to lead you and I into because they're good for us and good for other people, but we're having a hard time with doing them. If that's the case, then probably one of the best things we could do is we can find a wise, more mature follower of Jesus who's gracious and humble and helpful that could actually help us figure out why it is that we're struggling to do that command and how we could actually begin to practice it better. And he could begin to coach us or she could begin to coach us in how to put into practice this particular teaching of Jesus that we're struggling with. That's probably one of the best things we could do. And so maybe begin to pray about that. Maybe begin to look around you. Is there somebody around you that you think, I trust this person. They seem wise. They seem gentle. They seem gracious. I think they could help me. Reach out to them and ask them for help and see, I'm struggling to keep one of Jesus' commands in this area. Do you think you could kind of coach me and help me figure out how to put this into practice? Um, But again, while you're learning how to do that one that you're struggling with, you can already begin to do some of the other teachings of Jesus um, that we see in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what makes you a disciple, is you're taking Jesus seriously and you're beginning to do what he says. And can you imagine just how much goodness and light we could bring to this world if we did that? If all of us who said, I'm a follower of Jesus, just began to actually take Jesus seriously and do what he says, can you imagine how much goodness and light we could bring to this world? Um, Or maybe the word world's too big. Let's narrow it down to our neighborhood, to our workplace, 
to our extended family. Could you imagine how much goodness and light we could bring if we quit using anger and contempt to manage and deal with people? Or if we quit uh, looking down on people and being critical and being fault-finding, right, and have the superiority complex, we just said, I'm going to be done with that. And I'm going I'm to pay more attention to myself so that I'm gracious and humble in the way I deal with other people. Or could you imagine what it would be like if we just began to show genuine love to all our next door neighbors, all of them in the neighborhood. We just began to show genuine care and love for them. those that are easy to like in the neighborhood and those that are kind of hard, even the noisy neighbor after hours. And we just began to show genuine care and love. What if we actually began to pray for our neighbors or our coworkers? And then we found ways to do good for them, actual kind deeds, helpful deeds that they really need done? What if we acted with integrity so that our word was good, our yes was our yes, and our no was our no, and people knew they could count on us? What if we began to do that? Just take Jesus seriously and do his word. Can you imagine how much goodness and light we could bring to this world? Well, that's the heart behind what Jesus is saying. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, you are the light of the world, and we could bring that light into this world by doing what Jesus says, because doing Jesus' words is greater than knowing Jesus' words. So let's take Jesus seriously and begin to practice them. Well, well, what if, what if I, I begin to do that, and then I mess up and fail? I mean, I'm probably not going to do what Jesus teaches here in the Sermon on the Mount perfectly. No? You're right. We're probably not going to do it perfectly. I don't always do it perfectly. You probably won't always do it perfectly. But not doing it perfectly isn't an excuse for not doing it at all, right? Not doing it perfectly isn't an excuse for not doing it at all. So let's just begin to do it. Put it into practice. And here's the good news. Jesus is gracious. Jesus literally loved you and me and this whole world to death. Um, He loved us to the nth degree when he went to a cross and hung on a cross for us. He literally loved us to death. And he did that even before we, we were his disciples. He did that before you decided to put into practice his teachings, right? He's so merciful and so gracious that if we do mess up, he'll forgive. We just have to acknowledge it, own it. Tell Jesus about it and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to put your teachings into practice, but I just messed up right there. And I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And Jesus is so gracious. He'll forgive. He'll grant grace. And then we just ask him for help to do better next time. We pick ourselves up. We dust ourselves off. And we say, Jesus, help me to do better next time. And we get back on track putting his teachings into practice. Um, that's, that's the way we be a disciple and follow Jesus. So, so doing Jesus' teaching is greater than knowing Jesus' teaching. So let's just begin to put Jesus' teaching into practice. Let's bring light and goodness into the world that way. Let's take Jesus seriously and believe he really knows what he's talking about. He actually is smart enough to be our guide for life. We're going to listen. We're going to put it into practice. All right? So now that we've come to the end of our journey through the Sermon on the Mount together, I don't want your relationship with the Sermon on the Mount to end. I don't want my relationship with the Sermon on the Mount to end either. So I would encourage each one of us to read it, to pray through it, to soak in it, to let its words and its teaching and its wisdom and its ideas to shape our mind and our heart and our soul that it would shape our priorities and our values in the direction of our life. Maybe memorize it 
or memorize at least key and large chunks of it. Just let this text, this wise teaching of Jesus, shape your soul. Don't don't just quit on the Sermon on the Mount because the podcast on, isn't on the Sermon on the Mount any, any longer. Read through it. Pray through it. Think through it so that we can become the kind of people who do what it says. Because doing Jesus' teaching is greater than knowing Jesus' teaching. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Bible in Life. We will see you next week with a special guest as we continue to think through how can we put the Bible into practice in our life. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on The Bible in Life.